0: Sound Logic no credentials.
1: Greatest album.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Sound Logic Podcast, and today we are discussing album number forty-nine on Rolling Stone magazine's top five hundred albums list. This is At Fillmore East by the Almond Brothers Band.
2: excited tonight to have Kelly Dowd with us. Kelly uh, is our special guest and she and I crossed paths just briefly here at Penn State University. Um, I think our first collaborative kind of project or experience was working on the MLK commemoration here on campus. Uh, Penn State has a really, um, I don't know, pretty intense week of celebrating MLK and, and a, a week that has tried to stretch even beyond that throughout the, the academic year to remember MLK and his legacy, um, I think the people who end up collaborating on projects like that end up just being good people because they care about injustice yeah. and they care about the uh, the campus and the community. And um, That's how I remember Kelly, even though uh, we don't know each other all that well, I know you as someone who cares deeply about uh, students and especially students who uh, are marginalized for any number of reasons. Um, just recently, uh, during this coronavirus uh, staycation that we're all on here right now, I posted a uh, sort of challenge, I guess, that a friend of, had shared with me to try and list a band for every letter of the alphabet that you had seen live. And um, I made it to almost all 26 letters. I think I had three or four that that were blanks. Um, but uh, Mike posted and uh, his list, and Kelly posted her list, and. Uh, I think for Letter A, you had the Almond Brothers, and I was like, oh, perfect, we've got that album coming up here. Uh, Would you consider being a guest here on the Sound Logic podcast? Um, Really excited to have you with us, Kelly. Uh, Mike and I grew up uh, just across the border in southern Ontario uh, as a a native from Michigan um, uh, who's progressive. Mm -hmm. You're essentially just about Canadian, so we're we're glad to have you with us and and, um, feel like kindred spirits. (laughs)
3: i spent money in 19 in windsor so uh, (laughs) yeah i I can almost see it from the house actually
2: (laughs) it's funny like yeah i talked to um friends who grew up around the great lakes who would drive to ontario for the lower drinking age um our friends in ontario would drive to quebec because it was 18 there so (laughs) it's all about proximity (laughs) i guess (laughs) Uh, yeah well, thanks so much for being with us. And uh, yeah, we, we also know that you are someone who's uh, pretty passionate about music and your impressive lift list of bands that you've seen live, I think will will add to this um, episode deeply. The only other thing to add, I guess, before we get rolling here, is uh, this happens somewhat frequently on the Sound Logic podcast, but all three of us were born after this album came out that we're about to talk about. So um, take our thoughts with a slight grain of salt and if you were someone who came of age uh, as this album was coming out and have additional notes or thoughts to send our way, please do and we'll be happy to share those on a future episode.
0: Ben, I think I, I know I can speak for you and for me as well. This is not only an album but also a band I am just not that familiar with or at least not before we started this. So the, the simple choice is just to turn right over to Kelly at this point. <laughs> we'll talk about a lot of a lot of things um, and a lot of your experiences and some of your memories, but I want to start in this way. Uh, could you tell us how you came about this album and, and if you remember when you first acquired it and some of your memories, if you have any, of when you first listened to it?
3: Well, thank you um, for asking me to be on this. I've never been on a podcast, but I listen to a lot of them, so I'm <laughs> of, um, learning a lot and excited. Um, but yeah, so I don't know exactly when I first heard this whole like album as a whole, but Allman Brothers in general have been around in my life for a long time. My brother's really into. You know, southern rock and jam bands. Like, I feel like my Brothers are kind of hard to describe as far as like what category they really fit in because like they're blues, but they're normally considered rock. Um, but yeah. also this like jam band thing that's like goes on and on
1: <laughs> as yeah. well.
3: And then there's like band in there that's not normally in like normal rock songs. So I don't know. I feel like there there's something different about them um, yeah. that my brother. Um, kind of introduced me to. So like the first time I saw Almond Brothers was at Knob in outside Detroit in 2001. I think I was 16. I'm positive I was 16 because I had to drive everyone home. Um, <laughs> <from the show>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure my brother fell asleep in the grass at one point um, during the show. But
1: yeah, okay. uh, um, <laughs>
3: It was a really good experience, like they, just like how it is on this album. Like songs would go in so many different directions for twenty minutes, and and then make it back to the original like piece at the end. Somehow you get back to it. Um, so I always felt like they took me on a ride um, that kind of was part of like getting me into music, like really into music, um, especially like classic rock. And that kind of
0: stuff. What an amazing uh, way to be introduced to rock and roll music with one of the great yeah. uh, rock and roll, blues, jam band, whatever you want to call them. And you're right, they yeah. are unique because they blend a lot of those different genres all together. I, uh, the phrase I've heard is is southern fried blues rock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then there's that, <laughs> that jam band component too. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. Um, and I think it's so unique uh, that someone... Your age, from your kind of upbringing, uh, listens to this kind of music because a lot of the people up here—I mean, I guess you know—you have different influences. But a lot of the people your age up here do not do not typically listen to this type of music. So that's really really cool.
3: My mom's really into music. I'd say my dad's more of like an ELO. That was like his jam. Okay. And then my mom though is loves like Sabbath and Alice Cooper, and those were like the bands that she. Grew up on, but is also like a huge Bon Jovi fan. So I've seen Bon Jovi like 13 <laughs> times in concerts. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Shout out wow. to Bon Jody. My mom's name is Jody, and her license plate says Bon Jody. Um,
1: <laughs> That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the That's other band is Black Crows. And I feel like Black Crows is, also comes from Georgia and like just listening to this album today i could hear a lot of like black crows's influence yeah. and i've seen okay. them probably 12 or 13 times too um in my wow. first show ever being yeah oasis and black crows that was amazing um the brother we loved with
2: i, I wonder yeah. sometimes what uh geography has to do with how music gets created like uh we talked about uh, a few albums ago, we talked about Bob Marley and, and you know that sort of reggae sound that came off of uh, the island of Jamaica and the Caribbean. There's There's been moments in my life, I don't really ever listen to country music, but Mike and I picked Sweet Corn down in, in Southern Georgia and driving a tractor in Georgia listening to country music just felt so right. And I thought like, what is it yeah. about like, <laughs> like place and setting and, and context that just makes everything click? When you've got like um, the Black Crows and the Almond Brothers from totally different eras, but from essentially mm-hmm. the same place, making music that captures kind of the same spirit—I um, don't know. There's yeah. something about like where we're from, or, or something about the culture that we experience geographically. I think that that does play a role in like how music sounds and how it, how it gets shaped. There's exceptions to that mm-hmm. too, I guess. Um, we've already talked about the band a couple of times. Um, four of the five members are Canadian, but they make this like folk Americana uh, stuff about the Civil War. and I just have no idea how they, how they wrote that stuff. But
0: <laughs> Kelly, I have a question for you, and I, I don't know if you remember this or not. When you saw the Allman Brothers in 2001, and then you said you saw them again later on, and one thing we're going to talk about is, you know, obviously that's a very different lineup uh, than when they recorded this album, because two of their members had unfortunately passed just after this album was was recorded and released. So was that with, like, uh, Derek Trucks and and those other guys when you saw them?
3: Yeah, I think the first time, I don't think it was. I don't think Derek Trucks was there. I don't remember him being there, like, 2001. Right. But then I want to say it was Jazz Fest and not Voodoo Fest. It must have been Jazz Fest 2008. Um, That sounds more right to me. Um, In New Orleans. I used to live in New Orleans like three-ish years. Um, But so, yeah, I think Derek Trucks was definitely there for that. And I've seen him separately as well. Really good. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's very
2: good. Uh, as Mike mentioned, I'm I'm very new to the Allman Brothers, um, but I do know some of their more popular radio play songs. And and one thing that you know, Mike and I discussed uh, today before recording was um, they some of their radio hits have quite a different sound than what we hear on this live album. I wonder mm-hmm. how much that has to do with. Um, the band makeup changing over time or the era of this music in 1971 or, or what, but perhaps we'll get to that as we go through some of the, the songs on this record.
0: Details, 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 details. So this album was released uh, July 1st, 1971. It was their first live album and it was their third album album they had done two studio albums before this so there's seven tracks on this album uh four of them are covers and then greg allman wrote whipping post and dickie betts wrote in memory of elizabeth reed and then Lanta" was a group effort that the whole group wrote and the rest are covers by different you know uh, a blues artists and, and different artists there um and here's an interesting point that i wanted to talk about a bit and kind of get your opinion on Kelly this album went to number 13 on the US uh, Billboard charts and it got there very fast faster and higher than their first two studio albums had gone which is very uncommon that a live album would do this and this ended up becoming their uh, creative and commercial breakthrough this is kind of what got them really uh, well known in the music scene I I tried to look this up a bit, but do you have any thoughts on why you think this is that a double album with only seven tracks of massive jam tracks would uh, shoot them kind of into the limelight in the rock world and would be more successful than their two previous studio albums?
3: Yeah. I, when I was like, I was kind of looked into it a little bit too. Um, I don't know if, like when it climbed to 13 was it it says it like it was certified gold in 71. yeah also when um duane allman died and so i wonder too if like part of it was he passed away and people dug into it Mm -hmm. because it was around the same time yeah um but also it could be at a a lot of other people passed away before right before that too that could be where people have like dug into some different stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Around 1970, uh, uh, it was a whole bunch right around there, like Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix and Jim Morrison, I think all right around 1970, Dwayne Allman in
3: 1971. Released in July and he died in October. So I would assume that that could have something to do with it.
0: Yep, that's a really good point.
3: Uh, maybe didn't find you know and if that was the album that was out when when he passed yeah
0: sure and 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 then it kind of captures a moment right it captures one of the last live moments uh in his life yeah that's a really good point i i was i just reading the stats there it was puzzling to me without seeing the whole picture like wow that you don't see that a lot that a live album usually the live albums you know the fans get them but they're not as popular. You know, the fans yeah. want to have them and it's a special moment, but they're not as popular as the studio albums, but this this definitely was. So, yeah, you're right. It went gold uh in 71, so uh in October, so just in a few months, which was was a lot for back then, and then it did go platinum, which is a million uh in 1992. So, it took a while to get there, but continued to be something that people were obviously consuming. And as I mentioned, this is a double album with only seven tracks, which means they're very long and the record executives didn't want to do this. They thought that it would just be career suicide and that nobody would buy it and the manager had to fight the executives to convince them, no, no, this is really good you've got to release this. So they conceded and then that's why we get uh, we get a few sides with only one track on it. <laughs> I think two yeah. sides only have one track. I was track.
3: curious if uh, Zeppelin had done their live album before this or not. Like, ah. Jason Confused was, like, crazy long, I remember, on their live album. Um, that people don't normally, <laughs> yeah, add these songs that go on and on on their record, you know? Right. Um, because, yeah, they were trying to get hits and things that were going to play on the radio. Um, which, like, Ben, you mentioned before, like, a lot of their songs, like, Ramblin' Man... I hear it on the weather channel. Like it's <laughs> a song that you hear. It every day, like. But it's not like uh, it's not on this album, and this is their their highest selling album. So right. I think, yeah. yeah, some of this album isn't commercial. It wasn't meant like made to be like you know necessarily played on the radio.
2: Yeah, and yet it, it does extremely well and is is renowned. I uh, I think just being on this list reminds us just of how rare like you were saying mike for a live album to do what this is doing or did um we've only had one other live album to this point on the rolling stone top 500 list that was james brown live at the apollo from 1962 and we don't get another one until number 80 88 um, we get a johnny cash album uh live at Folsom prison and i think that's it for the top 100. Um, it takes a while even to get to the next one. I think 144 is the next one. That's a BB King album. There, so so like you know top 100 albums of all time. There's only three that were that were live albums. It's just not a thing that you often hold up as like iconic music. I think often because it's um, it doesn't sound as good as their studio albums. And I think that struck me yeah. uh, as I was listening to this, like how exceptional they do sound live and i i would assume um if i was their manager trying to get a record executive to to release this you just have to point to the sound quality um i think mike we mentioned this when we talked about um uh, james brown too that like his his performance on that live at the apollo album could be live if it wasn't for the crowd noise um you know everything was just so spot on and you get that same vibe yeah. here with, um, at Fillmore East, like I don't hear any for, for sort of a jam band um, to just be hitting every single note. It, it's just incredible. and I think shows their talent and their skill.
0: Definitely. and, and you know I want to expand on that a little later, but it, it's well recorded, it's well produced, uh, it's well performed. Uh, there's there's no there's no issues there. Yeah, <laughs> it's great.
3: Oh, I love hearing you guys like talk about. You haven't really listened to it. Like I've been listening to it for so long now that I'm like, <laughs> oh, dude, you're having <laughs> for the first time. Like Dwayne Allman was an incredible guitarist. Like
1: oh, geez, in the yeah.
3: same line as you know Hendrix and all those guys. I think at least like and from this album, I think shows good skills too. And then when he like harmonizes with Dickie Betts, ooh, that's my favorite. <laughs>
0: I love hearing you get excited about that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, and and you know th- this is uh, one of the as we've talked before. This was this is a longer album, so it was kind of hard sometimes to carve, especially you know Ben and I both have younger families to carve out the time to listen to the whole thing all at once was uh, really challenging, uh, but. You know, because you're kind of like, okay, nobody bothered me for 23 minutes. I need to listen to Whipping Post. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, just one song. Okay, guys. So, yeah, no, it, it's, um that was a challenge, but uh, certainly was worth it. Um, I want to talk about the songs more. And before we do that, we al- always really enjoy talking about the album artwork. And uh, you're fortunate, Kelly, to have you know, in your possession, uh, a vinyl copy. So you get that huge uh, sleeve instead of a little CD or a little thumbnail on the computer. You get to look at the big sleeve of this really cool picture of the guys hanging out in front of all their uh, equipment cases. And then with the stencil letters I love on the top case on the top left, the Almond Brothers Band at Fillmore East. I would imagine that would have been uh, put in, obviously not Photoshop back then but but edited in afterwards i don't think they would have had it say that on their gear for the show am i right in thinking that i would assume so although it doesn't look
2: it doesn't look edited it looks pretty pretty spot on i don't know I maybe they, it's because they, it's black and white um
0: they could have just cut cut it in there Posted it in there. I feel
2: like the re- the
3: actual records in the other room. I almost wanted to like go get it to see if you can tell.
0: <laughs>
3: but I, d- I feel like it would probably be laid over top too because this is their their case. Yeah, traveling yeah. in general. I don't think they bought special cases for this trip. No, one no, one. it's just, so just yeah. their
0: gear. But but I love the I love the de- the design element there for the cover. Uh, it's really really cool, and just uh it's great to see the guys all smiling and you know enjoying their time there because when i hear them play music it just sounds like just an absolute joy just to be jamming i don't uh kelly are you a musician as well
3: um i sing i did uh choir for a long time
0: yeah so i mean anybody who's performed uh jamming is a really really fun Thing to do and when you can just play for minutes at a time and there's really no structure and everybody has freedom to do what they want uh, there's there can be a lot of joy there and I kind of hear that when I listen to the music when I listen to this album and they go on for 20 minutes you know I imagine they're just having a blast and I find that's really reflected in this photo as well.
2: Yeah it has somehow the, uh, the capacity to look both staged and really casual at the same time (laughs) i I don't know how they pulled that off it's clearly like someone saying okay you sit here and you sit here and you sit here but maybe it was like between serious pictures where someone cracked a joke there's some some lightness and it it is very (laughs) candid despite it being very staged as well
0: yeah for sure
2: i like the choice to go black and white too it wasn't too long ago that we were talking about patty smith's horses and uh sort of stripped down look that that gave that album cover there's something really nice about that aspect here as well
3: the back of it connects to the front so like when you go to the back it has some more members of the band like you know the extra folks that are playing additional instruments or moving stuff around or are, are on the back of it
0: oh no way oh that's cool yeah we mm-hmm. we often miss that when we just look at a, a stock image that the, the back of the vinyl usually has something cool as well
3: yeah but it's one of those where you like open it up and it's one big picture
0: right
2: yeah
0: i'm curious now i want to go see this other <laughs> yeah <gotta work. laughs> so this album in its original form has seven tracks and they are statesboro blues Wake up, Mama. Turn your lamp down low. <laughs> done somebody wrong stormy monday,
1: stormy monday you don't love me,
0: me. hot atlanta In memory of Elizabeth Reed and Whipping Post. And the the big jams are um, "You Don't Love Me" and on side two, and "Whipping Post" on side four, which each get their own side because they're so big.
2: Mike, I think that's the first time you've uh, you've listed all the tracks on a double album.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> yeah, some of those compilation ones like uh, Robert Johnson and. Muddy Waters is like fifty tracks. Yeah, I don't right, do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's only
3: seven songs on a double album. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. yeah, then I'll do it. <laughs> Statesboro Blues is by uh, blind Willie McTell. Uh, Stormy Monday, T Bone Walker. Oh yeah, Done Somebody Wrong, we got Elmore James. I I just again I'm not really a blues guy, so I don't know all some of the blues greats from you know, the forties and fifties and sixties, but it's it's a theme that when we listen to blues artists uh even and i'm going to say even zeppelin in their first album uh blues artists seem to constantly pull from the artists that came before them and not only just in influence but they are often playing their tunes and recording and releasing their tunes as well mm-hmm. in amidst their original material which is it almost seems like a tradition
3: yeah rolling stones too is a big one
0: yeah for yes absolutely you're right.
3: I appreciate what they've done with these songs, though. Um, I haven't heard the originals necessarily of all of them, but um, like I think they give them just do them justice. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think they put their their flavor into them. You know, one of the big changes when we think about that is you know the technology and the instruments and the amplification that those previous artists didn't have the opportunity to to have at that point so you can do so much more when you have the technology these guys had uh ben do you uh why don't we go to you because you've been kind of a bit of a spectator so far on this one which is (laughs) fine uh did you uh any favorite tracks or moments uh that jumped out to you right away
2: i had a uh this on during dinner tonight oh how'd that go got to ask my family what they thought (laughs) um yeah it was it was fine um, uh, I caught, uh, one of our kids kind of like tapping her fork, uh, in, in some one song at one point. And, but when I asked what they thought of it, um, our oldest said, uh, uh I'm not really sure. Kind of reminds me of classical music. I get kind of bored when there's no one singing. And I, I realized like, I don't think I ever would have drawn the line between, a jam band in classical music, but there is something about like the skill set required to make music that doesn't have uh, a lyrical hook, but draws you in anyway. And I thought that was just a really interesting sort of childlike perspective for her to, to, to offer. I mentioned then that, you know, I think it draws a little bit more on jazz and, uh, and has that sort of free spirit of jazz music. And she kind of understood that too. But, um, uh, she, she said something funny like it's like classical music but it's got rock instruments which just makes it really weird <laughs> <And> so um, <laughs> uh, that was that was That's funny and, and it kind of made me wonder like how much of a hurdle that is for other people too you know mike and i kind of grew up uh well we grew up fairly sheltered christian experiences for the most part but we also listened to a lot of classic rock radio and we were both admitting um as we sort of skim through some of their their radio hits that we weren't, uh, we wouldn't have been able to say that they were songs by the Allman Brothers. Uh, I wonder mm-hmm. sometimes if uh, that hurdle is there for other people too, that, that when they've got these sort of like longer um, jam musician uh, kinds of tracks, it it takes a certain kind of person to, to really connect. Um, I had some similar kinds of feelings when we, when we talked through uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Um, and I think what, what Pink Floyd and the Allman Brothers both share is this like uh, musical nerdiness that you've, you've almost got to have uh, a sense of why uh, improvisational jam sessions are exceptional, uh, especially done to this caliber. If you don't have any sense of how hard it is to play a guitar solo over another guitar solo, or (laughs) to keep up with a bass player (laughs) as they're walking their bass around, you just don't get why this is exceptional. I think when you do, when you've ever just messed around um, with any kind of level of of, uh, jamming with your buddies, you suddenly get this whole new appreciation for uh, when something is really, really good. This album was long enough that it was still playing after dinner. So we cleaned up to the dinner and I, I was tasked with loading up the dishwasher. So uh, it was nice today. And so the whole family left the house and went outside to play. And I just cranked it on the stereo so that I could hear it nice and loud while I was cleaning up. And um, that gave me a whole other kind of appreciation, too, that the live vibe um, hit me in a, in a way that it hadn't previously where I was listening to it in a sort of background music kind of level. When it was that volume and that level, the music kind of washed over me in a way that I was like, "Oh, oh, okay, I get it." And um, it was it was deeply moving. Specific tracks, I I really like Stormy Monday. Um, I'm not sure why, but but that song in particular, I get excited when I get when it rolls around to that third track. And uh, um, but I, but the other thing that I'm noticing in the last couple of weeks going through this album. Maybe more than any other um, record on this list so far, uh, my appreciation for this increases exponentially almost every time that I listen to it. Uh, I think my very first time through, I kind of yawned and was like, eh, I'm, what are we doing after this album? I, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> and and then every uh listen since then i've been like oh wow i didn't notice that the first time oh this is here okay i see what they're doing there and um makes me wonder uh you know if i just keep listening for another week or two (laughs) this might become my favorite album of all time or something you know like it just (laughs) keeps going up in that kind of extreme way uh so so yeah i don't know it's it's kind of uh kind of wonderful uh i've Uh, The only thing else that I'll add, I guess, is that I've um, said several times on this podcast so far that no song should be longer than five minutes. And so (laughs) uh, this is not meeting that criteria. And yet there's something there that I really, really enjoy. So I don't know. I guess every rule is made to be broken. So uh, (laughs) I'm going to have to think about that a little bit more. Uh, what about you, Mike? You're also kind of new to this. Do you want to Do you want take a stab before we dive into some of Kelly's thoughts as a long-time listener?
0: Oh. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I want to say that when I heard You Don't Love Me, that was the point in my listening of this album that kind of grabbed me. I was listening through, and the first three tracks, so yeah, okay, blues, jam band, you know, this sounds good, good sound. Um great players you know and I was enjoying it but You Don't Love Me really was when I was sold on the album the way the song starts with uh, they get the audience clapping and then they the band joins in um, and then just hearing I really enjoyed the uh, really showcase the organ and the harmonica on that track uh, well, I mean it showcases everybody over almost 20 minutes but um, I think that song was when I really felt that Uh, vibe of what the audience that night was feeling and I really enjoyed just the whole feel of the song and when you do a song or a jam session that's that long you really get a sense of every player and every voice there Um, when they all get a little moment to shine you can hear I mean you can obviously hear Dwayne Allman doing what he does so well there and he's really showcasing on that one as he does on other tunes as well but I think that was the one that Uh, stands out to me the most again i'm not i'm not a a blues expert or blues rock expert so it's harder for me to pick out all the little points throughout this that make it so good but i do recognize that it's very good i did enjoy it and uh that was one that stuck out for me so uh kelly (laughs) we move to our to our expert here kelly what uh uh, what jumps out to you when you listen to this album is it is it just the whole thing or are there certain moments that that r- you really enjoy or, or that grab you
1: i
3: mean first i think i, I feel really privileged to have seen them live because yeah. i think this showcases that they're like a live band like they need to be seen live mm, right. um, to really experience what they're about like you don't get the same feel from a lot of their other songs um, i think the beginning is like, it starts off really like happy as far as like Statesboro blues feels happy. Even if like the subject isn't necessarily happy because the blues, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I've always feel kind of happy. And I think by like stormy Monday, we've moved into kind of storytelling almost like right. within yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, because it has a lot of like where it grows and like the more seeds back. Um, good guitar solos, like every song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then, two. I think um, I'm a big fan of In Memory of Elizabeth Reed, too, um, which when I was digging, there's, uh, I think that song was, it's a Dicky Betts song. The name Elizabeth Reed comes from a tombstone in Georgia that he just saw the name, but the song is supposed to be about Boss Skaggs' girlfriend that he was having an affair with.
1: Cool. <laughs> um,
3: wow! <laughs> that changes the song for you at all. <laughs> um, as many good black blues songs are about lost love, um, yeah, with changed names, uh, Layla, uh,
1: yeah. But <laughs>
3: yep. the, I really like it, that song in particular, and this version of it because this is on a different album, um, the studio version. Um, and then whipping post is like my all-time all time favorite Almond Brother song. It I like that it's by itself oh, wow. on the one side because it is kind of its own experience. I think
1: right. Um, I agree.
3: It sounds different than every other song too. It's much more like I don't. You can hear his kind of anguish in the song, and I mean he's comparing like his lost love to being whipped. So um, <laughs> like it's obviously yeah. intense. Yeah. Um, i think you can like really feel that in the song and i, I like every version of this song Even the, the studio version two is long but not obviously not 23 minutes long but
2: right. um with the uh with the iconic nature of this album have, have these tracks all become sort of staples of their live shows when you've seen them in the past have they played through any of these
3: um yeah they definitely always play um whipping post. it might not always be that long. I feel like Elizabeth Reed usually does last a lot longer. It was a long time ago, but the songs, I can remember them just, like, going on and on.
1: We're like, yeah, right. you know,
3: yeah. like it's been be an hour, and we're still in the same song, but then all of a sudden it loops back to the beginning, and then you're like, oh, man, they're coming back to it. Like, the, the <laughs> same song comes back. Your favorite, you know, lines the one more time with the chorus kind of thing. Like, you made a full circle um, where I'd say, like, Done somebody wrong, like the second track would have been my like go to the bathroom song, you know what I mean? Like, you get that song (laughs) where you like go get another beer because you know the next song is gonna be fire and you need to be back for the next song, Um, but you can go get a beer beer, or pee real quick before (laughs) the next two. That's funny. Their shows were always really fun in general, like, they do Shakedown Row, so they have the whole. I mean, cause I saw them with the dead too. It's probably some of the Deadhead folks, but they do the thing called shakedown row where there's like all these people out like selling goods and like making little grilled cheeses they're selling and like hemp necklaces and like that <laughs> kind of stuff that people are like trying to make money at the <laughs> tailgating at the Allman Brothers show.
2: That's awesome. I, I was somewhat surprised to see that whipping post is um, one of their most played tracks on Spotify. Um, you don't often think that a 23-minute song is going to like rise to the top of a, uh, you know, streaming service, but, um, yeah, I guess especially if it is a staple of their live performances throughout the years, that that's an interesting dynamic um, uh, to continue to have it be something that fans, especially, continue to return to.
0: So, as you've heard us talk about, we do have a Spotify playlist for the Sound Logic podcast, and we'd like to pick a couple tracks from each album we review uh kelly what track would you pick for our spotify playlist a bit of a challenging question for this album because some of them are very long but if there was a a song that you want people to hear from this album which one would you pick
3: i mean i think space blues is a good choice as like an introduction to almond brothers if that's the only almond brothers song that's going to be on the playlist um since this is the only album i think that's in the in the top um right. I would say that one if only because like every other song is 20 minutes long <laughs> i don't know how long this playlist is um, i mean my number one choice would be whipping Post," and even does it count if you lifted it from another album because it's the shorter version um versus
0: it being from this one i mean we we, we kind of do whatever we want
2: yeah i mean we're gonna have <laughs> we're gonna end up with a, a playlist that has a thousand songs on it so i don't think that time is really that uh crucial to be considering here so so let's let's put statesboro blues and whipping posts on there that'll be two good ones to add
0: perfect so here's an interesting question and one one we ask every time um especially it becomes more challenging with some of the older albums but is this album still relevant and and again this is Some of these questions are challenging for this album because it is so different than a lot of the things we've listened to but um kelly when you think of you know the music world today and you've seen a lot of bands and different types of music live where does where does this music fit in today's world
3: i feel like it fits in the live music scene like we're on pause right now but live music and concert scenes and festivals in particular have become huge i mean like that's the way that artists are making a lot of their money now is through concerts and so um i was planning to go to bonnaroo actually this year um i'm like i'm getting up there in age but i gotta go to (laughs) some festivals before i live it up a couple more times but uh I think that's where it really could fit is like in the live scene, but obviously they're not, you know, playing, but similar bands like Derek Trucks, for instance, or like that's Robert right. Johnson, y- y'all mentioned before, um, are is similar in vain and have that same like jam bandy um, and good musicianship with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think it's relevant. I think we mentioned before, too, around, like, all the Black blues artists that wrote majority of these songs that this kind of era of blues rock was playing, and they didn't necessarily get the recognition that they maybe deserved for these songs. But if anything, this is an outlet to then go find those artists that I had never heard of, but that we now can access their music uh, digitally. Yeah that we might not have been able to
2: right. touch before. I like that. I think, too, here there is a, um, I don't know, just a proficiency for how to play live, too. You can tell the crowd is hanging on everything that they're doing. Um, and they're taking the crowd on a journey. I've been to very, you know, one of my favorite bands, Coldplay, and their shows are very produced and not very improvised at all. And, and I like holding this up in contrast to an experience like that because it reminds me just of how diverse a music experience can be. I don't listen to this style of music so much and I don't know a ton of people who are but I think that there are still lots of people who love chasing bands around the country uh, to hear how they're going to sound on a given night. We've had on guests already who uh, you know if a band is in their area uh, you know, if they're if they're uh, from say Toronto, they'll go see them in Montreal, Toronto, uh, Detroit, Buffalo. They'll try and get to you know as many uh, concerts in that stretch as they can, and uh, to try and catch something different each time. And I I think that's something incredible. And I think especially held up to the rest of this list here um, to be one of the very few live albums included, I think is is saying something as well. What about you, Mike?
0: Oh boy uh, those were really good answers uh, i I struggle with this one personally I really enjoyed it and I I really see the significance of it I see its place uh, I think that a couple challenges with the way that especially young people listen to music today the the long playing track is not something like my kids can't get through a 20 minute track are you kidding me like that <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not going to happen and i think that a lot of younger people struggle with doing anything for a long period of time i know that's a generalization it might not be totally fair but i think that to sit through that um, and not have a lot of movement and changes and quick kind of little things that's a challenge for the way that music is consumed Um, and i think that the way that rock music is played today is is very different Uh, however I think that within the blues world, and to an extent within the rock world, I think this is still very, very relevant, and you would turn to it for influence. Um, If you're in the recording studio with people who know this music, they're going to be turning to this to be inspired, so I think, as we've discussed before, uh, maybe some of its relevance is in the way people listen to it today, but some of it is in more of a kind of historical... Way that almost like a like a textbook. You would go to it to yeah. to learn you know the history and learn uh, where some of this music came from and to hear one of the best you know blues rock guitarists ever play and uh, uh, a person who you know left far too soon uh, and didn't get to really blossom into the the musician and and performer that he could have been unfortunately. Uh, so yeah, it's one that I struggle with. I think I think i'll just say it, it certainly has its place i'll just leave it at that <laughs> yeah
3: i know when you were talking about uh like kids these days and and like how they're do they have the attention span and stuff some of the music kind of does remind me of electronic music now and that okay yeah um, that, a lot of like rise and fall, like you're waiting for that moment, and like a lot of the songs don't have words, or if they do, it's like one or two words that are repetitive, or like small like chunks of words, you know. Mm, that's true. Um, but that, I don't know. There's something to point. be said about like jam bands are now more this like electronic rave scene that's happening, um,
0: and those songs can is, be like, very long, right?
3: DJs around and like. It very much has like a, commun- a culture to it, um, mm-hmm. similar to like jam bands. I never really thought about that before, but I don't know, something you said made me think of it.
0: No, that's I, I like that, that's a good point. Do
2: any of you know, um, th- this is a, a band that has uh, people of different racial ethnic backgrounds in it, which is not too common even still today. Do you know where they held up as kind of pioneers for that sort of thing in the early seventies?
3: That part, I, I don't know. I, don't know. Um, I know that they stand apart from, like, Leonard Um And I right. guess that that's, yeah. like, one way I'm measuring, <laughs> yeah. like, Southern fucking rock kind of thing, because they're not quite that. Like, they're just, like, a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and maybe that is because they had, you know, um, a diverse membership.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I think it's an important thing to talk about. We've talked about that. I mean, that shaped a lot of the music we've talked about, Um Especially in the '60s and '70s, with uh, different racial tensions, and and it was a big part of a lot of the the music and and activism as well. So no, it's definitely relevant. Um, okay, so this album, so this is kind of the you know the reason we started this whole project. This album comes in at number 49 of the top 500 albums of all time. So what do you think about? that ranking. Ben, I want to start with you. This is 49th best ever. How do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, I um, I really struggle with what to do with compilation albums. Uh, live albums are something this is only the second time we've ever had to talk about one, but I think I feel a little bit better about their inclusion on this list. Even though you could argue that this is also a compilation of their music, um, it's just a performance of a compilation of their music, I, I think it I respect these a little bit more and um, so unlike with the compilation albums where I always want to push them down, I'm, I'm fine with this one being here and could maybe even see it going up just based on the quality. Um, this is, I think, an album that I'm just fine with its spot here. Uh, I think if we had heard it for the first time at, at number 20, I might have been a little surprised it was that high. Uh, but if it had shown up at number 100 or something like that, I probably wouldn't have been too shocked that it was down that low. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Right here around 50, I think, is it's just fine in, in my book. Um, uh, I like it more than some of the albums we've already tackled, and I'm sure there will things that will come all along that, that I'll like more than this one. But uh, I'm fine with it being right here.
0: Kelly, what do you think? And I know it can be a challenging question if you're not as familiar with the list as... Uh, as Ben and I are it's kind of studying it <laughs> for over a year.
3: Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to dive into the list and see where these albums are because um, I'm interested. But, I mean, I think it's fair. That's for sure. If this is the only Almond Brothers album that's on here, then I think it's in a good spot because they do have a lot of other great albums um that aren't touched. So, yeah. um, of all of them, if they're going to pick one, I'm glad they picked this one. Um Because, yeah, again, it just showcases something that other bands don't necessarily have. Is that, like, improv, live, like, just really good sound.
0: I think I'm okay with this ranking. I'm, I'm, again, a a live album, you know, to me, it's always surprising to get it this high on the list. But I think because of how successful it was and how it kind of really projected their popularity at the time. um, Yeah, I'm happy with the ranking. I don't really... I don't really have any issue with it not, not, not a lot of not a lot of controversy that time <laughs> no.
2: i i guess i the only thing i'll add is i'm really glad i got to experience it i think there have been a few on this list that i've been like meh i don't think my life has changed much uh you know tackling this album and this one i feel uh, a lot of appreciation maybe because i know so li- i i know so little about this band but um I feel like I have a deeper understanding about a little about who they are and uh, and the incredible skill uh, involved. And so I'm just glad it's here. <laughs> I'm glad it's on the list and that we got to listen to it tonight. And I'm always appreciative, I think, when we've got a, a real live fan of a band <laughs> on as well to give us <laughs> sort of the, some of the passion, I think, that goes into um, that aspect as well. So, yeah, thanks so much, Kelly, for adding your voice as well
3: yeah thanks for having me yeah. i would have liked to see what else like Dwayne Almond would have done um, oh geez yeah right here yeah. um two didn't the bassist died like a year afterwards um it also in a motorcycle accident um,
0: i i read at the same about a year later at the same intersection
3: the same intersection wow
0: yeah it's just it's, it's very yeah. tragic
3: I'm glad we got we got them while we yeah. <laughs> while we had yeah. them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, share you know yeah, a little bit yeah. of time with them. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we mentioned, you know, there's no other albums. Uh, we always talk about the other albums, but this is the only one. Uh, so that that just about wraps it up. Any other concluding comments?
3: I mean, other than go check out more Almond Brothers, um, <laughs> yeah, Midnight Rider, yeah. <laughs> Midnight Rider is a really good song. Melissa, Jessica, there's a lot of songs about girls. So, yeah, um, <laughs> there's that.
2: Especially um, for those of us who are stuck at home right now with um, working remotely or whatnot, this is an excellent time to be digging into all the free music that's out there and uh, go down a rabbit hole. Find something you like.
3: Yeah. It's good uh, working music. You know, a 20 minute song is, gets you through. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I want to take an opportunity one more time to thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us. It was a real pleasure talking with you and hearing about all your experiences and your passion for this music. Thank you so much.
3: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
2: You bet. Thanks, Kelly. And be well, be safe. Um, yeah, we're all in this together, I guess, even from a distance.
0: And before we sign off, uh, Ben, what have we got coming up next time?
2: Yeah, we are um, approaching number 50 on Rolling Stone's Ooh. top 500 album list. Yeah. Uh, That's that's an exciting milestone, I think. Uh, Coming up next, we've got uh, "Here's Little Richard" um, by uh, Little Richard.
3: (laughs) I saw Little Richard in what?
0: You saw Little Richard?
3: Yeah, I saw a compilation show. It was a Fats Domino tribute um, in the Superdome. Oh wow! And. It was, I mean, Little Richard, they rolled him out in a wheelchair and they picked oh. him up and put him at the piano and he just like went to town, like to be fruity. Wow. It was on. Um, but like a guy like lifted him out of the wheelchair and like just set him at the piano and he oh, just my goodness. did his thing. It was, it was, yeah. Wow. yeah. Wow. Who else was at that show? Uh, well, Fats was there, but he was like up in a booth and then uh chuck berry was there and he only played for like a second he was definitely like probably too old to be on the stage kind of thing <laughs> um he didn't play like a whole song he like not couldn't get through a whole song until oh, he was goodness. done and then like keb mo and wyclef played and wow. yeah that was a that's a crazy show in new Orleans got a lot of stories about shows down
0: <laughs> well until until next time We want uh, all of you at home to uh, be well, stay safe, and take care of yourselves. Thanks again, Kelly. Have a good night, everyone. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review.
2: Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.